This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. This is the Media Week TV podcast where we talk to Andrew Mercado every couple of weeks. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Pretty interesting week in um, television land, hasn't it? Um, There's always a bit of a fuss about the Logies for one thing or another, but this year it'd have to be up there in terms of the biggest... um, outrages of all time. Well, you know, it's we're recording this on a Thursday, several days after the Logies aired on a Sunday, and I've been watching Studio 10 this morning, and they're still talking <laughs> about it as well. And they're still saying, isn't this incredible that we're still talking about this? Because, of course, on Monday, everybody was talking about it. And I remember thinking on Tuesday, oh, well, that's all died down. That'll be the end. But it just keeps creeping back. I know, I know, which I think is sort of a good thing because it's, I mean, even though there's a, quite a few Logies haters out there and maybe yeah. a couple more than there was before this year, it's still, people by doing that recognise that it's a significant event. Well, it's interesting because some of those Logie haters, you realise, are actually people that love the Logies and, you know, want it to be better. So they criticise it. But, of course, it, it, regardless of whether or not Tom Gleeson had won this year, you always get those Logie knockers. You always get those people that say, what a joke, and <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing and all that. And, and I just think, you know, I've, I've got, those are the people that actually think, and I've had people say it to me, I've got a relative of mine that said it, and I've got a neighbour that said it, oh, Australian TV, God, <laughs> isn't it? crap, they've never made a decent show. These people actually think that. And I think to myself, wow, you're not looking really hard um, to be making a statement like that because there is always fantastic local productions to watch, but there will always be a section of people that will just say, that's rubbish, not interested, and uh, of course they're going to bash the Logies every year. Mm, Yeah, yeah, it's two things, isn't there? There's one that people who really just don't think there's any value in Australian TV than the other ones who are maybe in the industry but think, you know, TV Week, oh, it's a, it's a trivial little fan magazine and, and they're both sort of, um, they're both missing what's really happening, I think, you know. There's, um, there's plenty of great Australian TV, of course, and I think TV Week, I mean, it does a good job. It, it, it runs the Logies, but I think it isn't claiming it's the Oscars or the greatest award show in the world. They just think it's it's their little tribute to the industry, and I think they do a pretty good job with it. What a great point, James. I've never thought about that. They did start this award many years ago, so yes, they deserve to have ownership of it mm. now and to keep doing it. Um, and, you know, I just think that all these people who whinge and complain about it and go, oh, you know, it shouldn't be the readers of TV Week and it's, it's, a, it's a magazine with falling circulation. It's like, yes, but the people who still buy TV Week love TV. Yeah. Why shouldn't they be a part of the process? I've been buying that magazine every day of my life on a Monday morning since I was 10 years old because right. I'm obsessed with TV. Mm. And, yes, the readership of TV might be old, but those people are really switched on to this subject. And then the second part of that argument is they go, oh, you know, now social media has changed everything and these people are hijacking it with their campaigns. I'm sorry, 
do you seriously want to introduce a, a, a voting category uh, thing in 2019 and not include online voting? Come on. It has to be there. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And um, lots of chatter about, you know, should people be allowed to campaign? I mean, you can't stop that sort of stuff. I mean, you couldn't outlaw campaigning for a Logie winner, nor should you, I don't think. Um, if people want to be clever, if people want to use their fan base, if they want to use social media, if they want to use little gimmicks, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all fair game, I think. Oh, and by the way, all those people at the networks that are complaining about <laughs> this and saying that Tom Gleeson hijacked the awards, guess what? If Tom Gleeson and Hard Quiz was on their network and he'd hijacked the awards, they wouldn't have a problem with it then, would they? <laughs> no, of course not, of course not. <laughs> and I always think, I mean... It's only people who can win and also campaign who are going to win. I don't, I, I'm yet to hear of anybody who could never really win. And, you know, I mean, sure, um, last year, Grand Daniel got some help from Tom Gleeson, but, yep. I, but I think he was quite popular in his own right anyway. Tom certainly helped him. But, I mean, there's plenty of people who have, you know, maybe quite good profiles, but maybe they didn't campaign well enough or clever enough, you know. Yeah. Look, there were two really uh, notable things, I thought, in Tom Gleeson's acceptance speech that I hadn't considered. One was that he uh, reminded us all, and I had forgotten, that Norman Gunston mm. did this exact same thing in 1976. And, you know, as Denise Drysdale pointed out on Studio 10 this morning, because Back then, they would give a gold logie to a female and a gold logie to a male. And she won the gold logie that year, and Norman Gunston won the male. And she reminded us all this morning, he campaigned to win that logie for a full year. Mm. It wasn't just a few weeks beforehand. You know, he, you know the moment uh, he got his own TV show, he started campaigning to win the gold <laughs> logie, and he won it. And, of course, we all thought that was fantastic back then because we all loved Norman Gunston. And the other important thing that I thought that Tom Gleeson said in his speech was he reminded everybody that he wasn't just some guy hijacking a campaign. He does actually host the most popular quiz show on Australian TV at the moment with Hard Quiz. Correct. Yeah. Interesting to see what will happen, <laughs> the ratings for Hard Quiz when it comes back. Yeah, won't it? I think it'll probably still do the similar numbers. I mean, there might be a few more people who will tune in to see what the fuss is about. He certainly won't lose any fans because no. the, the people who watch Hard Quiz watch it for him being hard on the personalities, on the contestants. That's exactly right. I'm yeah. sure they certainly don't ring up the ABC the next day and go, oh, he was too hard on you know <laughs> this, <laughs> this contestant no. or he was too rude. They love it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, interesting you said then about they used to do a gold, a female and male gold. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if they should be doing something like that, like that again for Hall of Fame. Well, absolutely. Um, the, I've heard a few people say that and you're not the first one. And in actual fact, uh, and I think um, Thomas Woodgate, editor of TV Week, uh, might be uh, responsive to this type of thing because there is a issue around the fact that the people going into Hall of Fame are mostly men. Mm. Um, and the way to fix this would be to do not just a Hall of Fame male and a Hall of Fame female, but as David Knox suggested from TV Tonight, also a Hall of Fame TV show. 
And then that yes. way yep. you could spin the whole thing off into another event all of the time. Mm. And that would help make, he, make the Logies a little bit shorter on the night because it finishes at 11.30 p.m. at night and that's still too late. It is. So anything that we can do to make the Logies a shorter, tighter ceremony would help. And I reckon uh, spinning off uh, Hall of Fame into its own show and giving out three awards every year, that'd be a great way to do that. I think that's a good idea, Andrew, but I could hear the Logie haters going, oh, no, no, they want two Logies nights now. <laughs> but the thing is that you would call it Hall of Fame. I know that yeah. they, would, they would get yeah. upset about that, but you, you would make it TV Hall of Fame. TV Week Hall of Fame, yeah. And, and in actual fact, when you think about it, certainly this year, Kerry O'Brien's speech was the standout moment this year. And I think even Logie's haters, even the ones who pretend they're not watching the show, still sit there and kind of go, yeah, well, uh, this person deserves this award. And yeah, look at those old clips. It really is that one moment in the show that I don't think that you can ever argue with. Although I think that Kerry O'Brien's comment the other day uh, was saying this is, it's great that this is not being awarded to me posthumously as well. I mean, that's a funny line, but, you know, that has happened a lot with yes. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Somebody dies and they immediately scramble and go, oh, my God, let's put that person into Hall of Fame. That's not how we should be picking Hall of Fame. We should be, it, would be much, it would be preferable to give the awards to the people while they're still living and what better way to do that than to broaden it so that we can uh, give out more awards to more deserving recipients? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Who do you think was unlucky out of the uh, Gold Logie nominees this year? Amanda Keller. Yeah. Two years running now that, you know, she you would think that she would have been the front runner uh, for longevity, um, for being prolific, I mean, she always has multiple TV shows, uh, is guesting on other shows on the 10 Network, and she's doing the breakfast radio show as well. And she's been around since the 1980s, and people absolutely love her um, because she is a fantastic person. I know her well. Um, So I think it's really, really sad that she hasn't uh, got the gold logie yet. And uh, I, I, I tweeted her the next day and said, uh, Susan Lucci from All My Children <laughs> got nominated 19 times for an Emmy before she won an Emmy Award. <laughs> it was, she was sort of like, oh, God, I don't have to wait that long <laughs> till I don't know if I can go through this again. Had a bit of a laugh. But, yeah, I think it's really, really sad that Amanda Keller has, has missed out. Yeah, and also I guess it's the third time unlucky for Roger Corso, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I, I think he's in a tough position because I think uh, Doctor Doctor is a fantastic show, um, but he's never ever quite made that leap to Logie the way that Asha Ketty did when she was on Offspring. Mm. And it is harder, isn't it, for someone in a in an ensemble cast to um, yeah to get a lot of the votes because if you start campaigning, people think about, well, what about the other cast members? I might vote for them instead. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Look, Cal, could, could um, should Amanda campaign harder? I mean, I'm reluctant to ask that, but I remember I watched a bit of the living room on the Friday night before the awards, and they didn't really mention it. And I thought, well, yeah, there, there's your opportunity just to you know, you, you can be a bit subtle about it, but maybe push it a bit harder. Yeah, I guess. 
I guess, but I mean, it's uh, how, how do you push a little bit too much? And if you're in you that can, situation, yeah. you don't, and you're uncomfortable, and you don't want to look like you're desperate. No, I mean, you, you, you can't win either way. There, the camera settles on Amanda for a couple of seconds while Tom Gleeson is speaking, and every single person goes, "Oh, look at the look on her face. Mm. She's struggling." And it's oh. like. But what other look are you supposed to have on your face? Yeah, you sit there trying to look happy for the yeah, other person and, yeah. you know, it's just, it's one of those situations where you just can't win. And there's no shame in being a Gold Logie nominee. It's like, I mean, I'm, it's not the same as, but it's like a Oscar nominees are, are well thought of, you know. It's fantastic that you get nominated. I think it's yeah. similar here for a Logie. I mean, the fact that you were nominated is a big deal. Only one person can win, but, you know, they're all pretty talented people. And, by the way, going back to when they used to give out gold logies to both uh, males and females, uh, Norman Gunston and Denise Drysdale won in 1976. In 1977, Don Lane and Jeannie Little won. Wow. And in 1978, they dropped it just back. And then we just then we okay. have all the men, Graham Kennedy, Bert Newton, Mike Walsh, Daryl Summers and... Mm. Uh, uh, a woman doesn't win it until 1985 when Rowena Wallace gets it. Yeah, dear. I'm not, I, I get the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure if you should have one of each for gold. What do you think? No, I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely think that we should uh, keep the gold by just one person, uh-huh. but, yeah, expand on Hall of Fame. Sure. There was um, – I, I thought the readers, I mean, the, the – um, most outstanding. There was lots of good stuff there, but I thought the readers of TV Week were um, quite solid in in most of their choices too for winners. I really do, and this is this is just so great that they picked so many great winners. So for all those haters out there that <laughs> said oh, people shouldn't be voting or not, mm. and people from TV Week shouldn't be voting, how can you complain about their choices? They picked the most popular drama as being Mystery Road, something that none of the pundits would have picked right. We would have assumed that they would have picked something else. Last year they picked Wentworth, so they've got pretty good taste uh, when the public are given their chance to vote. They voted Luke McGregor, the most popular actor in Rosehaven. They voted Deborah Mailman, um, their most popular actress for Mystery Road. So, you know, they get it right. They voted Costa. Uh, the most popular presenter. You know, they, I think they really, really got it right. Yeah, I think it was a pretty tough year for tipsters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was very hard to pick and I've, uh, I think I've, um, I've so far resisted the temptation to go back to that podcast you and I had, I think, after the, <laughs> the nominees came out. I think we yeah. probably would have got a few of them right, but I'm sure we didn't get them all. No, there's no way. I, I, I would never have thought that uh, Luke McGregor, McGregor would would win. Yeah. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. I no. just wouldn't have picked that. I would have been thinking most popular actor. Yeah, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Ray Ma will have a chance from Home and Away. Uh, they might sure. go with Guy Pearce for Jack Irish because he's the best known name. But uh, yeah. no, the public uh, surprised us. And Costa, yeah, as you mentioned, most popular presenter. You know, he beat Amanda. He beat Carrie Bickmore. He beat yeah. uh, Tom Gleeson. He beat uh, Walida Ali. I mean, um, three of those four are Gold Logie winners. See, this is also really interesting because I I think we've seen this a few times before that you often see this spread of winners on the night. 
that they don't go, let's give 20 Logies to this one person or one, one show. They go, well, we're going to vote for that guy for the Logie, so we'll give the award to somebody else, for presenter, which yeah. is what happened. Tom Gleeson won the Gold Logie, and he was beaten by Costa in the most popular presenter. Sure, sure. Were there any surprises for you in, in maybe in the uh, most outstanding? Ah, most outstanding. What was a surprise for me there? Well, I wasn't surprised. I, I'll, I'll well, give you one. Okay. Uh, Mystery Road won the most popular drama. Yep. I was a little bit surprised that it didn't also win most outstanding. I mean, Wentworth, totally. Wentworth a worthy winner, but yeah. I would have thought Mystery Road was a, was a lay down for that. So did I. I. I would have thought it was going to be a, a, a shoo-in. I absolutely agree with you. I, mean, I was always saying Mystery Road will win most day upstanding. Wonder who they'll get as most popular drama. Yes. And Mystery Road won most popular drama, and I thought, oh, well, it's going to win most outstanding too. Of course it yep. didn't. Yep. Shock, but great. Both those shows got honours in different ways. Yeah, let me give you another one. Uh, most outstanding actor. I thought this has got to be Aaron Patterson, surely. Yeah. I thought it would yeah. be Mystery Marauds Night. And, wow, yeah. there you go. Scott Ryan gets it for Mr. In-Between. I know. Amazing. And, of course, I did not see Jenna Coleman getting most no. outstanding actress over That's Judy true. Davis yes. in Mystery Road, particularly given there was, you know, I was somewhat surprised to see the cry in there. Jenna Coleman was fantastic. I'm mm. not taking anything away from her in the cry. She was great. But what I find strange about that is that when the cry was first going to air, I rang the ABC and spoke to them about this because I was confused. I went, is this an Australian co-production yep. with Britain? And they, went, they said to me, no, it's a British production. We've just put in a little money for it. So I went, okay, great. Okay, I'll, I'll make that clear when I do my review of it. This is a British series. And then it pops up in Logie's voting. I was like, oh, wow, really? I thought that was a British TV show. So, mm. yeah, I was surprised that uh, to see The Cry even in these categories. But Jenna Coleman was fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, how often does Judy Davis get beaten? Yeah, no, and, and she doesn't make a lot of stuff here in Australia, does no. she? So it was, you know, it was a, a double surprise. The I mean, in the most outstanding supporting actress, I mean, you're a massive fan of Bloom, so, I mean, obviously Jackie Weaver, a worthy winner, but then, you know, I thought maybe Asha Ketty might have got that for her work on The Cry. Well, you see, Jackie Weaver, I was a bit surprised about this too. I kind of felt that Jackie got this because she's a name, and you sometimes see that happening with uh, these categories, and this is an award show all over the place, the biggest name wins. Jackie Weaver was barely in bloom. Yes. I mean, her character yes. tasted the plant and turned into a young woman played mm. by Phoebe Tonkin. Um, so as great as Jackie Weaver was in that, I probably wouldn't have voted for her in that category. Right. I would have thought that, you know, someone else like a Celia Island in Wentworth or a Keisha Castle Hughes in On the Ropes, you know, probably did more work uh, within that show. But, hey... Again, that's what the industry voted for and, and uh, you know, they, that's, that's what uh, was voted. Yes, yes. The Talk to me a little bit about the awards night. I mean, apart from it being too long, mm. I think it was one of my favourite awards nights from the last, I don't know, 10 years. 
Look, it was very, very entertaining to watch mm. uh, as a telecast. And there really were, there was so much great comedy in it. I mean, you came out, there was Tom Gleason's opener. And then Hamish and Andy came out and did their, their routine. And there was just this constant flow of Australian comedy and people being funny and clever. Uh, the In Memoriam uh, segment this year showing that old clip of Jeff Harvey playing the piano was perfect. Mm. Um, and in fact, the only low point of the night for me, the only time where I really slapped my hand big time to my forehead was when the cast of Young Sheldon came out and mm. did that kind of oh, just really grating American cheesy way of all of them speaking in turn and making jokes that were only obvious to people who were familiar with young Sheldon. Um, and, yeah, I just thought, wow, that just really doesn't sit with the rest of the show. Here's this laid-back Australian ceremony where everyone's allowed to be, you know, really amusing and funny, and then you get these kind of American actors coming in here doing what would work in an American awards show but totally doesn't fit within the Logies. Yes. And why we keep doing it is beyond me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't have too much of a problem with that but it did look a bit out of place and and I saw them on the red carpet and I kept thinking, who are these people? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't recognise them. Well, I've watched the show. I've watched a couple of episodes of the show Mm. Um, and when they came out, I actually thought that was the little... The first time I saw them, I thought that was the little boy's parents. Right. It actually took me a while to clock on, oh, that's the entire cast of the show. Oh, is that... Oh, I thought I thought he'd come out on stage with his family for some reason. Very well, odd. The most interesting thing for me, and I hope this is right, he's actually the little kid in Big Little Lies too, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. Fantastic in Big Little Lies, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what most interests me about young Sheldon, I guess. Yeah, yeah. One thing... And, it's gone. And um, by the way, uh, no uh, jump in ratings for young Sheldon last night on Nine either. No, no, I didn't do Brought them out. Fantastically not the well. Lightest jump in viewing figures. So that was an expensive trip to bring out. How many people? Were there five of them? Yeah, there was a few, wasn't there? <laughs> there was a few. One thing that I wouldn't mind seeing the Logies cast the net a little bit wider is the entertainment, the singers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, okay, we love Guy, we love yeah. Delta, but yeah. you get the feeling it's the same people year after year after year. Do you ever? We love Jessica Malboy too. Yeah, she exactly, was incredible. Yeah. That, that song yeah. was fantastic. But, you know, and, and here I am having just said, let's not have any international acts when we've got all these great oh, yeah, But Australia. there's plenty of other Aussie artists. There's, That's exactly there's right, lots my of, point. Yeah, there's lots. Yeah. I mean, I, I do some music chart analysis at Media Week on a Monday morning and there's yep. so many great singers who find themselves at number one who, yep. who just aren't household names. You know, let's maybe mix in some of them. Just, you know, there's, there's so many more people out there than than those traditional TV performers. Yeah. I was watching The Project last night and Illy was on, yep. releasing his new yep. single yesterday, Australian Rapper. Yep. Where was he? He should have been on the Logies, <laughs> sitting there in The Project, such a delightful guy. And there they were all saying, look, we don't know a lot about Australian hip-hop, but what can you tell us? Um, Hello. He would have been a great guy. Yep. to have on the Logies. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Instead numbers. of having, what, 
two judges from The Voice. I mean, you've mm. got this ceremony airing on Nine. They're running promos for their upcoming shows for the rest of the year, getting promos, the first promo for The Block, the first look at Sea Change. Channel Nine are owning the night in terms of a platform from there to push their own shows. And two judges from The Voice sing songs, come on, I'm with you. Different and new Australian artists, please. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the Any other thoughts about the Logies? That um, that Dylan Alcott was a worthy winner, I thought, of the Graham Kennedy Award for, yeah. again, that's a most popular vote, so people voted for him. So, you know, that was a great choice, I think. And he gave a great speech. What he said he was did. just, I thought, so relevant that when he was a little boy, the only time he ever saw someone in a wheelchair on TV was if they were a victim of a road accident, yeah. you know, and, and he decided that wasn't going to be his narrative. How fantastic. And how great is it that in 2019 we're finally recognising this, yeah. that it is important to put um, different representations of disability and sexuality and race uh, onto TV so that everyone at home watching TV can eventually see themselves represented. I think it's fantastic. I mean, there were some great speeches. You've already mentioned Kerry O'Brien. I mean, that was it was long, but gee whiz, he covered a lot of ground and it yeah. was great. And I mean, he's still obviously got a lot to offer the industry, hasn't he? Oh, for sure, for sure. It made me want to go out and buy his book. He's just released his biography and it was like, Well, make me want wow. to read it. It's, it's sitting on um, someone else's bedstand in my yeah. house and um, <laughs> yeah. they haven't got far through it, but I'm thinking, well, I want to have a crack at it. But it is a daunting, um, it's a daunting volume to sit there. You think, well, we are, it's going to take some stamina to um, keep ploughing all the way through that, but, but I, I bet it's a good read. Yeah, um, I bet so too. And the other one was Costa. Costa's speech too, I thought was outstanding after his oh, um, totally. after his uh, his award win. Yeah, absolutely. I thought what he had to say about saying, you know, let's get out there. He 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 had a call for everybody to do more gardening. Mm. I thought it was great that he mentioned how important it is to start speaking to Indigenous people about yep. how they manage the land because they've been doing it for 60,000 years. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, Luke McGregor was very short, I think, from memory, <laughs> yes. wasn't he? Just, It would have been nice to hear a few more of what he thought about it, but he, he looked genuinely surprised, I think. Um, genuinely surprised, I agree, yeah. As I think probably Tom was, to actually get the gold because – Earlier in the evening when Costa won that award and he was up against Tom as one of the other nominees, I thought, oh, this doesn't look good. Could Costa get the big award? It sort of looked like it was going that way, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. And uh, he even admitted that, didn't he, that he started honking into the red wine thinking there was no (laughs) chance he was going to go up there. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so it was great. Um, now it was it was a good night. Uh, be interesting to see. I I think for me, what will happen, and I'd like to see this happen. So I don't know if it's wishful thinking. I think seven and nine will both come away now thinking. "Mm, Look, this Logies is still a big deal for the winners. I think they should take a um a new look at strategising to to be a bigger part of it next year. Correct. Put some campaigns together for people or programs that could actually yep. win. Yeah. Don't back people who are probably a bit fringy, but well, I mean, do that too, but put up some others and really push them hard and, and get involved. Well, the classic example of that is a few years back when Nine threw everything they had at Carl Stefanomic and they won. And they leapt about the room and they were happy as. <laughs> and those same people 
I saw a couple of them in the background of one of the shops. They weren't happy when Tom Gleeson was on stage. Mm. Oh, it was a different mood then. But, yeah, if you actually get out there and uh, pick the right person, someone that you actually think can win, um, and, yeah, everyone's in it. If you, You've got to be in it, right? Yeah. I'm tipping. I think nine will be a lot more competitive next year. I mean, they're going to have perfect holiday from Hamish and Andy. We'll be um, – we'll Able, you'll be able to vote for that. Um, yep. Also, Lego Masters didn't qualify this year because it wasn't on air early enough. So Hamish Blake is the obvious standout um, Gold Logie nominee for his work on that. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. two programs they can get right behind, and I'd be yeah. very surprised if they weren't at, at least amongst the nominees and for sure one of those two would probably be winners, I think. And what about Seven? Because we know that Seven have an issue about this because it's such a nine show. Yeah. And they kind of, they know they've got to be in it, uh, but they get the shits and then they don't really <laughs> want to be in it because it's going to, you know, it's going to be going all nines way. But you're absolutely right. Now we have the classic example. This year, the Logies was all about the ABC. Hmm. So Channel 7, do you want to sit there and bitch about the fact that it's a Channel 9 show and you're being relegated to second-class status, or do you want to get out there and make the best shows you can over the next few months yes. and try and win the bloody thing next year? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a double motivation to uh, put some better programs up, isn't it, to A, get sure some ratings is. and B, pick up some logies along the way. Yeah, and, and, and just, you know, because the Super Switch isn't going to be nominated for any logies next year, James. No, no, definitely not. No, I don't think it will. And then if Married at First Sight can't win, there's no way the Super Switch is going to um, turn up. See, this is the other thing. There were, there, were, there were some people saying on the night, you know, as the, as the awards started rolling and people going, oh, wow, wow, oh, the ABC keeps doing all these shows. But this, this just shows how ridiculous the Logies are because Channel 7 and Channel 9 rate higher than the ABC. Mm. And it's like, wow, let's have a think about this. Okay. So Married at First Sight is the highest rating show of the year and everybody watched it, but we know that some people watched it and it was their guilty pleasure. When it comes time for you, when you actually go, now I'm going to vote for the most popular reality show of the year, when you go through the list of those five shows, maybe Married at First Sight doesn't look so crash hot up against MasterChef. When it actually comes time for you to cast that vote and say, well, we think this show is better, just because something is the highest rated and the most popular does not make it the best. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Simple. And just sort of flicking through these uh, nominees this year as I chat to you, um, there's no real opportunity there for um, breakfast TV, is there, to get a gong or anything on on air before 6pm because it's really focused on prime time, is there? Could yeah. there be a category that could encompass things like Sunrise Today, the ABC Breakfast, Studio 10, you know, the morning well, show? Do we really want to add more categories, well, James? I, I know. I'm just very, about making it shorter? I'm very reluctant to add more <laughs> categories. But I'm just thinking of could there be a category, even even um, The Chase or um, but things that are on before, could you call it a daytime award or a... I don't know if that's sort of, but but I think there's a, maybe Best a dis- daytime show, a discussion See, to be is- had because all those people at breakfast they they're a big part of it and you see the the sort of 
the discussions always online about this furor today, Koshy's being called something and, you know, today shows yeah. or they're, they're in the mix all the time, but they never really celebrated much. No. Well, but you know, there is a category called most popular panel or current affairs program. Yeah, would that and, qualify you know, as panel or current affairs, though? Well, it certainly qualifies as a panel. Most of Studio 10, Sunrise and Today are panels talking about things. Yeah. Every subject, they bring in a couple of people, Melissa Hoy, Richard Glover, la, 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 you know. Yeah. All these people, uh, Brendan Jones, all of them are coming on to discuss shows. They're, they're panel shows and they have news and current affairs. Nice. I think they fit within that category of most I popular suppose they panel could be or current nomi- affairs. And they could be nominated for most popular presenter too, couldn't they? Yeah, that's true. They, they never show up there because of the focus on prime time, I guess. Yeah, but let's not forget Carl Stefanovic won hosting today a few years back. It can be done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 no, don't have more categories. I remember years ago, the Logies, they think there's a lot now. I remember there used to be, there used to be awards for every separate uh, capital city, I think. That's right. Adelaide used to win one, Perth would win one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and every state would have the most popular female or the most popular male, and you'd be sitting there going, (laughs) who are these people? (laughs) I mean, people say they don't know who's on the Logies now. Back in the days when you lived in Queensland, mm. yeah, you know, it meant nothing to you that, you know, someone from Adelaide was winning the awards, but we sat there and let, them, let everyone have their turn right. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what else is on the radar? I wanted to mention um, a couple of things. The uh, very interesting polls come out uh, this week in uh, TV Tonight. Um, yeah. David Knox has gathered together um, a bunch of Australian television critics and got them to vote for Australia's all-time best comedy and those votes have tallied into a top ten. Yeah. Now, both you and I were, were uh, put our votes in there and I've got to say I'm pretty happy with that top ten, although there's a few little surprises about some of the con- couple of contemporary shows that have, have found their way in there. But I think, <laughs> I think they're all probably worthy... Um, Worthy representatives? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm surprised at some of the choices, but I'm pretty happy with the top three. Yes. Frontline, frontline number one, I should have gone, gone Can't argue. reverse. Yeah. Sorry about that. Frontline number one, absolutely the greatest Australian sitcom ever made, in my opinion, still holds up today. Yep. Kath and Kim number two, absolutely another show that still holds up today. And fast forward, I'm with you. Was there ever a greater collection of amazing comedians uh, who then branched off into other stuff afterwards? Fast forward at its peak. Oh my god, yeah. hilarious! Well, let's James. quickly just hilarious. Roll, let's quickly roll through some of those people. I mean, Steve Weizard, of course, yep. who created the thing. Um, Jane Turner, Magda. Mark yep, Downey, yeah, Michael Veach, Peter Moon, yep, Ernie yep. Dingo was in there for a year. Yeah, uh, Brian Dore was there. Uh, yeah, Jerry Connolly, Glenn Robbins. Oh, you know, just a very bunch of special people. Uh, some great creatives behind the scenes. Um, yeah, you know, um, Eric Banner was on it. Stephen Curry was on it. Turned up. Um, you know, I think Julia Morris was on it. Um, well, it sort of morphed into Full Frontal, which they kind of uh, is a separate show, Full Frontal. But at the same time, it was, I always assumed that Full Frontal and Fast Forward were from the same 
production company. Right. Was it Ted Emery was involved? And I always just thought that Full Frontal was fast forward when some of the cast went off to do other things and they brought in different comedians. But it was still basically the same show, right? It was still it sort of was, yeah. send-ups and impersonations. So, yeah, I, I think it was. I, I, I consider them all one big happy family but under two titles. Sure, sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did mix a couple of them up, didn't I? That uh, yeah. Eric Banner was really um, Eric Banner more, was more full, full frontal, frontal than yes, yeah. yeah, correct. And so was Julia Morris, I think. Yeah, you get, and Steve Eidwar, Steve Eisard, I think, was an EP of both, as was Andrew Knight. I think it was yes. Artist Services, which Artist Services. That's the logo which, I'm seeing at the end of the show. Which morphed into, I think, um, ITV Australia. What do they call it? ITV Studios? Um, right. Um, so yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, what else is on that top 10 list? Have you got it there in front of you? Yes, I do. Uh, then we go number four. It's a tie between We Can Be Heroes and Please Like Me. Right. Right. See, I don't, I don't buy that. I think that Summer Heights High was Chris Lilly's was the better show. Agreed. But I know that We Can Be Heroes came first and that's what a lot of people discovered, Chris Lilly, and I know that show has its fans. But for me, uh, I would have put, I would have voted Summer High Tide before We Can Be Heroes. Yeah, so that's absolutely. number four. Number five was Utopia. Yep. Number six, a tie between Mother and Son and the Norman Gunston show. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Number seven, The Chasers War on Everything, Summer Heights High, for sure. Number eight, The Letdown. That's not the surprise quite, entry, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not quite sure that it should be in the top ten of Australian comedies. It's, it's, it's good. good. Mm. I just don't think it's up there to be in the top ten. Yeah, too soon I mean, perhaps to get a good read on how that should sit historically. I mean, you've got shows missing out like the Paul Hogan show, Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell, the Mavis Bramston show. Those shows miss out at, yeah. so that the letdown can go in there. Like, I think the letdown's great. I just think the letdown sometimes is more an uncomfortable drama than a comedy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm cringing at it, going, oh, my God, that lead character can be so unlikable sometimes. I know, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, but obviously it has its fans. Yes, yeah. The um, yeah, I, I think the Mavis Bramston show should have been in there, but the, Andrew, there's not a lot of us left to remember no, that not. program. So. Absolutely, people not don't a- understand that it was the first comedy sketch show in Australia, and also the first one to do any sort of political sketch comedy and break taboos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was back in 1964, so I get that people don't understand why it's so important. In fact, there's a guy that's been trying to make a documentary uh, about it for years and years, and he has interviewed Carol Ray and gone over to America and interviewed Barry Creighton and all that, and he's desperately trying to get this doco out there, and I know that he had a, you know, a bit of trouble getting Seven to sign off on it because they own copyright for it because it was an in-house production. But, yeah, it's really, really important to um, remember the shows that did it first. Well, I think there'd be an audience for that, so it would be good if he could uh, get that up. Yeah. And to finish off the list, then, number nine's The Arnie Jack Show and number ten is Big Girl's Blouse Tied with Rosehaven. Mm. So a few interesting things there that... um Working Dog, of course, have got two in the top five. Yeah, Frontline and Utopia, and they good point. They 
probably on because the Late Show didn't really qualify as a comedy. Maybe it was more. Uh, I mean, I would have had it in my top ten, which means they would have had three in the top ten. But um, I'm not sure if the rules that TV Tonight had are really allowed for it to be voted for. But he's got it in the uh, runners up. Oh, how's this? Uh, I've just received a message. Yes. It's almost as if we're doing this live, James, <laughs> and people are listening to us. I've just received a message. Um, FYI, mm. this is from TV Tonight, because I sent them a message saying how great it was. Um, Frontline was a very clear first winner. Yes. Kath and Kim was a very clear second. So there was an absolute consensus from everybody on those. And after that, uh, it was kind of open to everyone. But, yeah, Frontline and Kath and Kim are absolutely regarded as the best Australian comedies of all time. Right, okay, okay. Uh, Norman Gunston makes two appearances. Of course, he was an important part of the Auntie Jack show, and I think that's where yep. his character first appeared before he went on to have his own. Yeah. Um, so that was good to see him there, and it's good to see the chaser there. I'm not sure if I would have had the chasers. Well, I think it was for me. It was too hard to separate the chaser programs because they're yes, it was. They're all that? good, and I voted for them as an ensemble. Yeah, um, but they definitely deserve a spot in the top ten. And uh, I think it was really sad they weren't on TV this year. Yeah, particularly with an election. I oh, agree with you. But they it was crying out for somebody to to do something on that, but I've heard a bit of a whisper, Andrew, that they could be on TV next year, so fingers crossed. Wow, that'd be great. Um, one show I want to mention as a runner-up, which is a, a, a show that you can't, I kind of question it even being in this category. It's called Grassroots. Um, yes, it was a funny show, but it was also a comedy, but it was mostly a comedy. It was written by Jeffrey Atherton, the writer of Mother and Son, yep. and it was about a city council. Jeff Morell played the really dodgy mayor, and it was a fantastic show, James. And can I tell you that whenever I do a segment on ABC Radio somewhere, around Australia, and this is a constant. They ring up and say, oh, can we do a segment on, you know, which show would you like to see come back and be rebooted? Yeah. Because there's so many reboots. Every time I do it, no matter where I do it around Australia, somebody rings up and says, oh, they should redo Grassroots because that would still be relevant. And they're absolutely right, James. Doing a comedy about a, a local council, absolutely Still relevant today, and yeah, maybe it's time. I think it was called. It wasn't Sylvania Awards. It was maybe set in a place called Arcadia Waters Grassroots. Okay. Yeah, the ABC should really look into that. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that list go to uh, tvtonight.com.au to um, get the latest on that and see all those runners up uh, listed. Yep. Yep. Um, I've had a, before we go, I've had a quick look at uh, the first episode of My Life is Murder. Oh, really? A, wow. A 10 drama which starts next week. It's from uh, being produced by CJZ for Network 10. And, mate, it is really good. Well, it why is... isn't the promo for it better? That promo for <laughs> it is terrible. I've heard this from a lot of people. It's just, it, it, it's like they haven't done a proper audio mix on the promo. There's some, mm. It sounds weird. It sounds right. hollow and empty. And it's also, I just look at it and go, you're not making me want to watch this show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. a pity because it's worth watching, I think. 
Wow. Lucy Lawless is very good. Yeah. Um, it's a great. Bernard Curry's in there. Yep. It's a great yep. simple little plot line. Um, it's a nice mystery element to it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a great companion piece to Harrow, which is, wow, that, wow. Uh, that has stayed so strong through this series. Um, I caught up with some episodes earlier this week and it is just so good still, Harrow. Yeah, it's still good. I see an episode every now and then. I, I, oh. I, I, yeah, but, yeah, it's still very good. I mean, they lost one of their main cast, which I thought was you sure about this, but um, they've um, it's been a really good, um, yeah, it's just, just been doing really it's it's very clever, and I I think this um this Lucy Lawless show um My Life Is Murder I I hope it will do well for them. Uh, five bedrooms finished the night uh, last night when we were recording this podcast. Yep. Um, its numbers have stayed quite strong through this season. It's a winner, James. Can need to renew yeah, that immediately. I'm, I'm certain they'll uh, make another series of that. And that's also from the same production company as Harrow, Hoodlum Entertainment. Correct, yeah. 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 So they're really on a roll, I think, uh, Hoodlum at the moment, aren't they? So I'm going to finish up by saying that the for Friday's uh, Media Week, I will be writing about two other new Australian shows on next week. One of them is the second season of Squinters on ABC, Uh, the comedy from Jungle Entertainment about uh, commuters driving to work together. Yes, yep. And the other one is uh, an SBS uh, Indigenous series about kids living in Alice Springs called Robbie Hood. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Play on the Robin Hood. Yes. And they are both absolutely excellent. Have you seen? Is it? They're only ten minute episodes, aren't they, Robbie Hood? Is that right? I've watched it all. If you watch all the episodes back to back, it's about an hour and ten minutes. Okay. And there's going to be a screening of that on SBS Viceland next Tuesday night. But it's going to be available to stream on SBS on demand from Friday. Get out there and watch it. It is uh, a really in your face, totally original, remarkable uh, piece of television. And I think. Um Somebody else has had a look. It was a piece in the Sydney Morning Herald, I think. Um, Somebody has written about it today. They've already absolutely. called it the best show of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good tip, so thank you for that. And I look forward to reading your comments about that in uh, Media Week on Friday. Look forward to it, James. All right, great talking with you, Andrew. You too. Speak Have a great week. Okay, bye-bye.